podcast, What Are You Selling? I'm your host, Jonathan Prunty. Thank you for everyone who tuned into last time's episode, which was crafting your skill set. I got so much positive feedback from everyone, and I appreciate all the messages and all the love that I got from that episode. It was truly fun to record that episode, and always feel free to rate, subscribe, share with people, and leave comments. If you like the podcast and you think it's great and think we're doing a good job, feel free to share with other people. Or if you think there's something that you want on the podcast, if there is additional content, if you want someone to come on, any type of feedback is always appreciated. So you can reach the podcast at info at whatareyouselingpodcast.com. So on today's episode of the podcast, we have Dr. Manoj Dougal here, who's an electrophysiologist out of the Chicagoland area. He has been practicing medicine for over 23 years, and he is gracious enough to let us question him today and put him on the hot seat with the What Are You Selling podcast. Welcome, Dr. Dougal. Thank you, Jonathan. I know we have spoke about having the podcast, having you on the podcast a while back. I'm really appreciated, really excited to have you on here. I know our listeners can get so much wealth of knowledge from you and the information that you provide. I know you've seen so many reps over the years, and I know you've seen tons of cases over the years. So let's just get started and hop right in. Kind of tell us about your background and uh, where you came from and, and give us a little insight on that. Yeah, sure, Jonathan. I was born in India and uh, went to medical school in India. I came to United States in 1990. After doing my training in internal medicine, I did advanced training in cardiology and cardiac electrophysiology. So I started to practice in 1997 and I've been in practice since then. And my focus of practice is cardiac arrhythmia problems and treating them. Now, as a kid, did you always imagine that you would have been a doctor or what did you want to be as a kid? You know, you will be surprised. I, one thing I didn't want to be is a doctor. <laughs> and guess what? I became a doctor. <laughs> and you will ask me the next question, why, how did that happen? Well, when I was growing up, I would get a lot of infections. And my grandfather would take me to uh, a local doctor. And those days, they were very worried about throat infections causing um, rheumatic fever. So I would get stabbed with a big needle in my butt. Oh my I didn't like that. So I said, I don't want to be in the hospital. <laughs> but anyways, um, then there were certain family members got sick. My brother went to medicine. Then I started to explore that and I said, hey, maybe not, not a bad field to be in. Now, growing up in India is is was that really tough i know that you know you tell me stories about growing up there kind of walk us through how it was growing up in india well growing up in india when i was in india they were either you worked for the indian government or there was really no private jobs so my dad worked for an indian government he was a civil servant and uh, a lot of resources from education standpoint and people helping you do stuff but competition is intense. So when I applied to medical school, um, there were 10,000 positions, and I think for each position there were 100 applicants. Mm. And you have to sit through each 
medical school have their own exam. Once you get into the, the, do the exam, you do well, then you get into medical school. The toughest part was after getting into medical school because you are you know, top of the class in your school. Now you have 125 kids in your uh, medical school class and they're top from their every school. So now you're competing with the top of the cream. And so that was tough, but I think very uh, exciting times and I miss them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you pick Chicago out of all the different states you could have went to? That is true. So I, after finishing Madison, India, went to England and I was working as a house officer and my wife, I met my current wife. She's from Chicago. There you go. I'm in Chicago. <laughs> Now, the hometown hero, Chicagoland. Now, Dr. Dugu, you do so many different complex procedures. What's your favorite procedure that you do? Well, um, it's tough to pick, but if I was to pick a procedure which um, uh, would be my favorite is an ablation. Mm -hmm. If you look at medicine, or actually uh, even whole... um, all different specialties of medicine. Ablation is a procedure which will cure the disease. We have so many young people coming in with heart rhythm problems. We do an ablation to fix the electrical short circuit in the heart and then they cure. It's bad for business, but they, it's so gratifying when you have cured a patient and they don't need to see you come back again. So that to me is probably the most exciting procedure. And that's probably why I went to electrophysiology is because there's only one thing in cardiology we can fix is heart rhythm problems, which can be cured by ablation. So that's probably my most favorite procedure. And after that is uh, device placements, pacemakers, defibrillators. uh, And yeah, I think that will be my number two choice. Now, I know you told us your favorite. What would be your least favorite procedures? Well, the least favorite procedure is not the procedure itself, but when you're going in for a procedure, the patients are so sick and you're concerned about their health. In other words, how will they do? And so you go into a procedure with some sort of an anxiety, like you know, how much to do, how little, to, when to stop. So that creates a, a anxiety in my mind and I think that's my least, least favorite procedure, even though those are the group of patients you can help the most, but those going into that procedure it makes me anxious. That's, yeah, I, I can definitely see how that can be challenging. You mentioned about different types of patients who you're able to help. Over your 23 plus year of experience, has there been a patient who you can recall that's kind of changed your view on medicine or how you run your practice? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen hundreds and thousands of patients, but then certain patients um, which you can't forget. And this is going back to 2000. There's a device called uh, pacemaker, biventricular pacemaker, pacemaker with CRT. So basically you're pacing the right and left side of the heart. The patients who who go into these uh, trials for device placements, because this was a clinical trial back then, who have heart failure and really sick. So one of those patients, I implanted a a, uh, pacemaker with CRT or biventricular pacemaker, 
whose heart failure was really bad. I mean, he would spend weeks in the hospital, go home, come back. So we put this device in and he did really well. For six months, he did not come to the hospital. So I felt really good. I mean, like, this is what we wanted to do. And then we get a phone call from the patient's daughter uh, after six months that he passed. So then we, the good part of these devices is we can actually go back and retrieve what the patient died of. And he died of a cardiac arrhythmia called ventricular fibrillation. To me, that was a experience which was um, good. Like I helped him for six months. I mean, his life quality of life improved and he was really happy when he would come to see me in the office. But then we missed something, right? He died of heart rhythm problem and those days, we were not implanting ICDs in those patients. Today, he would have gotten a different device, but I can't forget that patient because in a way I was very excited that I was able to help him, but then our lack of knowledge at that time, we did not get him the best treatment mm-hmm. at that time. So, you know, medicine changes. So sure. we learn every day from our patients. And um, I think that's probably the one patient I can't remember. I mean, I, I, I will always remember. That's such a good story. Now, even thinking about the patients that you've had, um, it, it's so ch- it's tough for me when I'm doing those pediatric cases, just because you see the young patients they're struggling and they need a device. And for me, I've I've been in medical devices for eleven plus years. I try to never get emotionally attached. Right? How do you separate? the emotions from, you know, trying to be there physically, mentally present with a patient to, hey, I need to come in and get the job done. So that's tough. And I think what you you learn over time how to overcome your emotions and provide the best for the patient. When I started to practice, I remember I had a patient who needed a pacemaker. She had a, what we call as a complete heart block. The upper and bottom chambers are not beating in a sink, so you implanted a pacemaker. And happens, you know, risks of pa- procedure, a patient had an infection of the pacemaker. So we took the pacemaker out and then had to re-implant on the other side. You know, I was like, gosh, how can this happen, right? The patient actually held my hand and said, doctor, things happen. So, you know, as you do more and more of these things, um, it's, you build resilience. And the reason why you build resilience is not because you don't care, is you care so much that you want to overcome your emotions to provide the best care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think you learn from your patients. And these patients are generally older, and they have wealth of um, experience and knowledge, and I think they, they help you. It's uh, it's so tough for me, like I said, seeing those pediatric patients. But like you said, you have to build that resilience. And even from, you know, seeing the sales reps that you do, I know sales reps call on you all the time. You've seen thousands and thousands of reps. What advice do you give to the newer generation or the younger generation sales reps as they come up or as they're interviewing for these jobs, looking for these specific types of roles in medical devices? I think... Being a sales rep is a very difficult job 
for two reasons. One, you're torn between two goals. One goal is to provide the best care for your patient. And second is you are a salesperson, you have to sell it. I think the number one advice I would give to any salesperson is be part of the team. I treat my sales rep as part of the team. Number one. Number two, learn as much as you can about your device and also your competition's device. Because a true salesperson is, if he's part of the team, is going to say, hey, my device is probably not the best for this patient and you should go to a different company. I think it's a team approach, which is, yes, of course, you're self-centered. You want to grow your business, but at the same time, you focus is the patient. We want them doing well. And I think once you get that approach in your head, I think you'll be successful. Now, have you seen mistakes that sales reps have made as they've called on you over the years? Yes, of course, we, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes. But the bottom line is when you're part of the team, somebody will catch that mistake. Mm-hmm. So the patient doesn't get affected or suffer. So I think the bottom line is to feel, call out if there is something which you think is not right. Doctors, reps, nurses, anybody who is involved in the care and say, hey, listen, I think there is something not right here. And I think mistakes happen. They will continue to happen. But I think the bottom line is, can we catch those mistakes before it results in a safety hazard? Now, I I know that when I started working with you, I was so intimidated just because you were this pretty well-known physician throughout the Chicagoland area. And I was thinking to myself, hey, I have to be prepared. I have to be on my A game. And I, I don't know if you remember this story. I, in, during the paperwork, I ended up messing up the paperwork. I was prepared, but I think I was just so nervous to you know, do the case. And I know a lot of reps out there, they just get nervous. What recommendation do you give to us so that we can overcome you know, that nervousness when we work with a big physician or a big name doctor? I think the number one is honesty. And once you're honest about what are you doing and about a mistake, yeah, I was going to take you a couple of cases and then you will overcome all that anxiety because at the end of the day, what I feel is any doctor who works with the rep, they're part of the team. And if they're honest, I think the anxiety will go away soon. And be prepared. I mean, you know, spend time uh, learning about the patient. You know, of course, you can't go into the medical records, but you can talk to the staff before the doctor arrives. Hey, this patient is coming for this procedure. What is the reason for this procedure? So you are on top of it. And I think once you have the knowledge, anxiety will be much less. And then at any time, I think every physician appreciates is you asking questions. Questions which are relevant to the patient care. And I I think the more you engage in dialogue with the physician and the staff and the team, the less anxious you're going to be. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. That's great feedback that our listeners can definitely take with them. With the cases that you do, how important is it for you to, for the reps to communicate beforehand or prior to the cases um, for a tough or complex procedure that you have? 
So, you know, uh, most of my reps who I work for years and years, and including Jonathan, you know, you guys make an effort to know the patient. So when I walk into the room, then, you know, I, you know what I'm planning to do. So it makes you part of the plan and the team and it makes you prepared. So now I treat my reps as part of the team as like their extra pair of eyes and ears. So that to me is the critical piece. So at the end of the day, what only thing what matters is that person who's on the table who comes out with the best outcome. And we all working to achieve that. So I think um, tough cases, and then, you know, sometimes when I am running into a difficult situation, you know, because you sometimes need different tools, the key would be for somebody like you to be on top of it. In other words, hey, what do I, what do you anticipate next step would be? So what that does is it reduces the level of frustration part of the physician because, you know, it's, it's, it's you're having a tough case and now you have to tell everybody, hey, I need this or that. But if you're on top of it, and you know, that comes with experience. That's not going to be day one, but over time you will learn, all of us learn how to overcome and anticipate what the challenges can be and be prepared. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so true. Do you, so you would agree that being able to adapt and change quickly during a case is probably super important. Yeah, I think it's really important is because um, sometimes as a physician, you're so involved in what you're doing, you forget that there is a, some other tool which could be helpful. And I think what I, the reason I work with the reps, all the same reps all the time again and again, because they, I have a confidence in them, and they may offer me something which I maybe didn't think about, and that would be helpful for making that situation handled more efficiently. Mm-hmm. How important would you say is product versus a relationship with a sales rep? Um, well, product is very important. Knowledge about the product is very important. And both those things, knowledge and product, is presented to you by a sales rep. So it's a package. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not, just as I started the case with, I mean, a rep who's truly a part of the team will say, hey, my product does not offer all the stuff what you need for this patient. So that speaks for the knowledge and the honesty. I think if you have all the two or three elements it's it's going to be a win-win situation for the patient and and the team. That's great feedback as well. But I, I'm I'm keep thinking about this because I've made these mistakes before, and maybe you could share with our listeners what are some unsuccessful traits or habits that you've seen sales reps make over the years or as long as you've been practicing. I think the number one mistake uh, sales rep make is being rigid, inability to change. Things change every day. Okay, so let's give you an example. The product is out there and there's a recall. And that speaks about the integrity and the honesty of the company. You come out and tell me, hey, listen, these products, they found there was potential uh, failures. And and, and I think that speaks to, to me about the integrity of the 
the person who presents that. And that builds confidence. I think to me, uh, the key is know the product, be honest about it, and things sometimes that don't go well, but then still be accepting of the fact that, hey, things happen. And, and uh, I think uh, flexibility, which is, it's, I think, the key uh, in my mind for being successful. This is all so good feedback. I can't thank you enough, but I also, if sales reps aren't getting anything out of this, then they need to listen to this again. But Dr. Dugo, I, I think that you provide such a unique insight, you know, and I've seen this in cases. Um, tell me about what's the most important thing you do to prepare for a big case that you have. One thing which I really, I always want to do is before I go into case to know everything about and that prepares you for any uh, unexpected uh, difficulties. So I think knowing all the facts about the patient and sometimes patients are very sick and you want to go in and out and do the case as quickly as possible. So you want to be efficient about it. And, uh, and I think um, knowing the facts about the patient's health and be prepared what kind of device you're going to use and what kind of tool you're going to use to deliver that device is very important and I think when you have a situation like that I generally tell the rep hey I'm expecting this and be prepared with x y and z I think the communication is also very important do you have cases at times where people even the staff or the reps don't communicate enough and how do you address that during a case so I think you raise a very important question because if you're part of the team you should be comfortable to be able to communicate anything which is you see which is has been missed by somebody else. Um, how do you address a, um, uh, I think the bottom line is focus on the patient so that we have the best outcome and you may not want to address that right during the case but after the case you need to make sure that you tell yeah. the rep and the team, hey listen, that was something which was, um, you know, have, should have been done a little better. And I think if you don't point out the mistakes made, the person who's working with you is not going to improve. So I think it's important to point the mistakes out maybe after the case is done uh, and not during the case because that creates tension amongst the team. And, and I think that generally results in poor outcomes. But of course, there are situations where you need to be firm and you know hey no i'm not expecting this i want you to do this you know you, those things happen during the cases but i think most of the times you can avoid those situations and talk to the person after the procedure is done mm -hmm. absolutely now as a physician that's part of a, a bigger group there are times where i you know as a salesperson i feel as though everyone's always selling themselves to someone else, right? So let's say a, a patient walks in and they have the choice of X, Y, and Z doctor, right? For you as a physician, how do you make them feel confident enough to, hey, I'm the right physician for you to do your procedure? So I consider myself as a coach. When a patient comes to see me in the office with a problem, First job I have is 
to tell the patient what the problem is and what are the various solutions. And when I say coach, those solutions have risks and benefits, each solution. So I laid it out on the table and say, listen, if you do this, these are the risks, these are the benefits, and help them make a decision. And then next question the patient asks is, well, um, sometimes they ask you, where should they go? I said, first question is to be determined what you need, how it needs to be done, and the next thing is where it needs to be done. So I think it's, it's I approach this um, uh, a little differently than most people. I'm not, I don't generally tell the patient, hey, listen, this is what you have, this is what you need done, no. They need to know what the problem is, how can it be fixed or corrected or improved uh, and what their options are. Wow, that's, I would pick you if I was having a procedure. <laughs> um, any last feedback or comments or anything you can provide because I know a lot of sales reps listen to this podcast and they think, how can I get better? But my thing is, we have the source right here in front of us who's telling us. So what last tidbits would you give our listeners? So when you, before you become a sales rep, you get trained. You go spend two months, three months, and you have two conflicting, um, um, not opinions, but um, things which you have to do. One is to sell, another one is to know the product. What I would say is first know the product inside out. And then you start selling. Once you know your product and your lim- and limitations of your product, every physician or anything you're selling to anybody, they will be so much more appreciative that this is a, a genuine guy who cares about patient and outcomes because most of the physicians are have a lot more experience than reps do so if you are not genuine about it and no don't know the limitations uh, i think you, the physician is going to lose confidence in you and and then lastly then do not ever hide a mistake a mistake gets done hey own it and like all of us need to own our mistakes. I think once you have those two skills, you're gonna be successful anywhere you go. This has been so insightful and so great. Dr. Du, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you. Listeners out there, you have it here at the What Are You Selling podcast. This has been Jonathan Prunty. We thank Dr. Duga for coming on, giving us his insight. And always feel free to to rate, subscribe, and share with others. If you think this podcast is great, send it to other sales reps out there so that it can help them get better. And if you want to reach the podcast for any questions, comments, feedback, or concerns, you can always reach the podcast at info at whatareyousellingpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jonathan.